Allow me to begin reflecting on the birth of Christ by telling you a story about a volcano, all right? This is going to come together in a few minutes, so just hang with me. I read an article last month about a volcano, and it got me kind of looking and everything. And so in kind of digging and reading about it, I found out that yesterday, yesterday, there were 26 volcanoes around the world that were erupting in some stage of eruption. I mean, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Did you know that? No, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm not the only one that didn't know that. So, so 26, you know, and so they're in Guatemala, they're in Ecuador, they're in Indonesia, they're in Italy, they're all over the world. One of them is in Hawaii. That one was in the news this past week. I happened to notice that. Perhaps the most famous volcano would be the one from um, 79 AD, Mount Vesuvius, that destroyed the city of Pompeii. That volcano buried the city of Pompeii in 15 plus feet of ash. Killed 16,000 people. That's the one that people know a lot about. You hear about it, they're still finding remains all the time and everything. There's another one that I want to tell you about that is not as well known. But this is the headline that got my attention. And it read like this. The sound so loud that it circled the earth four times. Did anyone read this article? Okay, good. That's great. I like being the only one that knows, so that way, all right, good. So, and this is what it went on to say. On August 27th, 1883, the earth let out a noise louder than any it has made since. On that day, the volcano on the island of Krakatoa erupted. A geologist report recorded a plume that he estimated at that time to be 17 miles into the atmosphere. And then, but this is the part that was interesting. It was heard 1,300 miles away, where it was in the Nicobar Islands, where it was recorded, extraordinary sounds were heard as of, the gu- as of guns firing. That was 1,300 miles away. 2,000 miles away in Western Australia, they reported it sounded like artillery going off. It was even recorded 3,000 miles away in the Indian Ocean and islands there. In total, it was recorded by 50 different geographic locations throughout the world on that day. Now, let me just, let's just give us a little sense of perspective, all right? Every time the eagles lose, there's a loud sigh that goes throughout this entire region, right? It's, not, it's louder than that even, all right, first of all, all right? It would be louder, I mean, like, to think, like, oh, then you mean, like, something like that you could hear something from New York City here in Bucks County. No, not that. We're, we're not talking about you could hear something in, from Pittsburgh here in Bucks County. We're talking that the sound would have originated someplace as far away as Dublin, Ireland, over 3,200 miles away. That sound originated, and it would be, could be heard here. Now, granted, it wouldn't be heard here immediately because at the speed of sound, it would have taken four hours for that sound to travel across the ocean and pass through our region right here. So, first of all, if that doesn't blow your mind, let me just keep talking to you, okay? Hang on there, all right? Sounds that register as high as 194 decibels are no longer considered sound. They're considered a shockwave. A rocket launch is 180 decibels. The explosion registered 172 decibels 
a hundred miles away. So let me just say that again. You can put all those little numbers together a little bit. At 194 decibels, it's no longer sound. It's a shock wave. Rocket launch, like SpaceX and all that stuff, is 180 decibels. This was 172 decibels, 100 miles away. Now consider this. There was a British ship called the Norham Castle, 40, 40 miles away. And the ship's captain recorded in his log that day, so violent are the explosions that the eardrums of half of my crew have been shattered. My last thoughts are of my dear wife. I am convinced the day of judgment has come. I mean, it was a significant, mind-boggling, hard-to-imagine kind of event that took place. Let me just keep talking. I love this article. Can you tell? All right. For as many as five days after the eruption, weather stations in 50 cities around the world observed an unprecedented spike in air pressure recurring like clockwork every 34 hours. Do you know how long it takes for sound to travel around the globe? Approximately 34 hours. And that happened for five days, every 34 hours. Now then, there's more to the story. You can look it up if you want to read about it. I would encourage you. Then we can talk about it later and all. But the reason why I'm telling you that is because that's an astonishing story, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of hard to believe. It's kind of hard to think, how do they know that? You begin asking all kinds of questions. But it's hard to believe. It's just hard to imagine how loud it was and how long it went on. Its ramifications lasted for days. One natural event. And yet here we are today to celebrate an event that has gone through and lasted and had echoes for centuries. For centuries. God, in the person of his son Jesus Christ, came to earth, become a man. Now, that's a mind-boggling statement. That's hard to fathom. It's hard to explain. It even sounds crazy when you try and say that to other people. They go... I would believe an, a, a volcano that lasted for five days before I'd believe that, right? It's just hard to wrap your head around. But I share the volcano so that you get a sense that that event, as amazing as it was, we have another event that we're here in observation of today that was even more amazing, and it continues to be more amazing. Krakatoa is now a thing in history. It's this thing that is, it's gone beyond. It's a dead event, that eruption is. But here we are today celebrating an event that not only has is, happened at one time, but its ramifications continue to sweep around the globe. And as generation after generation continues to rise up and be born and dies again, that generation has the opportunity to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the, by the birth of the baby that we are here to celebrate tonight. John's gospel tells it like this. If you want to open up your device and, and follow along with me in John's gospel, chapter 1, he wrote it like this. He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. So in other words, it's saying this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, and He was there in the beginning with 
with God. It's kind of making a point, don't you think? That Jesus was there in the beginning, and not just there in the beginning as a subset, he was God himself as well, part of the Trinity. It goes on to say, and it says, all things came into being by Jesus, and apart from Jesus, nothing came into being that, is, that has ever come into being. And in him was the life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 10 goes on to say, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, before this, man had never been given the chance to see God. But John 1.14 says this, And the word, Jesus, became flesh. And Jesus, God, dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. And then in verse 18, one of my most favorite passages out of the book of John, and there's a lot of good ones. Verse 18, John chapter 1. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. It's, no man has ever seen God at, at any time. Only Jesus has, and he explained him. So it says that Jesus came to earth, and he lived among us. And if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus, because Jesus explains God. On this night, on this night, or that night so long ago, in that little village of Bethlehem with those, that young couple, on that night, an event more earth-shattering than the explosion of a volcano took place. The Son of God came to earth and took on the form and the flesh of man. Simply astonishing. And the words that roll off my tongue seem too trite, too small, too little to truly give weight to this event. He came and he took the form of his creation. The creator took the form of his creation. It's like a potter becoming clay or, or a painter becoming the painting. He took on the very form of the thing he had created. And as if that wasn't enough, he not only took on the form of man, he came to live a life that qualified him to die for his creation and redeem that creation from the consequences of his sin. In some way, it would seem like I said like a moment ago, I said the potter became, became the clay. And to kind of follow that through a little bit, it would be like the potter became the clay in order to save the pottery itself from destruction. Jesus came to earth, and in this event that we honor here today, he didn't come to heal, to just heal and do miracles, of which he did many. He came for something much larger, much grander, more fantastic. His main purpose was more mind-numbing 
than an explosion 140 years ago. The story of his birth didn't stop the rounds, like I said a moment ago, didn't stop after five days. It continues to echo through generation after generation through this day. So here we are, talking about it, reliving it, celebrating it, singing about it. Why? Why do we do this? Because all of us here know that it's not about the gifts tomorrow or the traditions that you have or the, the red and black clothing that everyone wears, you know, at Christmas. It's not about all those things. It is about this landmark event that our small, finite minds can't really wrap itself around to fully understand and comprehend. God knows us well enough that he thinks it's worthwhile that we're reminded of the extravagant nature of God setting aside his, na- his godly nature and all the riches of heaven to take on the form of creation and live among man. He sent his only son to leave that glory of heaven and ultimately to be falsely accused of crimes that he didn't commit and to be tortured and to be wrongly convicted of crimes that were not his and then finally to be executed, to be found ultimately hanging on a cross, fully unclothed for all the world to see. Absolute humiliation. The creator of the universe. Did you remember what we read a moment ago in the first chapter of John? And by him all things were created. You can go to Colossians and it says, and through him he holds all things together. And there he hung on a cross in total humiliation. For your sake and mine, that child came to be born not to live so much as to die for your benefit and mine. The Bible says that while they were still sinners, Christ died for me and you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for me and you. It is truly crazy that a sound that could shatter the eardrums of men who were 40 miles away that same day continued to circle the globe for five years. It's unthinkable that Jesus, who was God, who as God, set all that aside for you and I. That Jesus came willingly to live that life perfectly, then to suffer the injustice of those last day, and then to die, not for anything he had done, but for all that we had done. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus explains God to us. Think about that statement really quickly here. The life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus explains God. It, 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 it explains that, that the kind of God that created the universe and this planet, even even that volcano that we talked about, and you and I, that that God that explains this tremendous love, this extravagant love, this mercy that he continues to pour out upon us, this long-suffering that he continues to have for us, this grace that he has for me and you, all of that, to think about that 
Jesus came and he lived and he died and he resur- and was resurrected. That explains God. It explains how merciful it is. It explains how righteous it is. It explains how, how gracious he is. It explains all these things about him. And so we think of him as some type of God who's waiting for us to do something wrong so he can punish us. When the fact of the matter is, he is not that type of God. He is the type of God that waits for us to come back to him, that waits for us to say, I need you and I know I need you. Please forgive me. He is that God. And we find them to be explained in the life of Jesus. That his perfect sinless son died for us, that we could escape the punishment of our sins. John 3, 16. You know it probably, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Christmas celebrates a baby, but a baby that was God, who grew up to be a man that died so that he could save all of his creation from destruction. If you have never understood that, if you've never understood that Jesus came for that reason and that Christmas is a celebration of the life that he, that he lived. It's a celebration that of all that he gave up to come and be like us and then ultimately to redeem us, to, to pay our sins for us. What he did was he came and he lived a life and then when he died, That death was the payment, not of sins he ever committed for he never committed it, but that death was the payment for all of our sins. That's the extent of the love that God has for mankind. If you want to understand God, look at Jesus and look at his willing humiliation on the cross to die for the sins he did not commit, to die for the sins of you and I. That is who God is. And tonight, if you've never really understood that Jesus died to pay for sins you've committed and that all you need to do is to believe that, it is an issue of believing it. It's nothing you can do because Jesus did all of that himself. He died in such, he died, and by dying, he died so that no man has to die. And so there's nothing you have to do but believe that that payment was your payment. And that when he died, when he paid for sins, those sins he paid for was yours. And if you've never come to the place where you understand the depth of your sin and that you need a Savior, let's talk. I'd love to talk to you about that. But if you're here tonight and you're beginning to come to an understanding that you've never trusted Christ for your sins, And that you need to do that. Tonight is the night to do that. Death has never knocked on more doors in our nation than it has this year, this month, today. Do not think that you're guaranteed to escape it. Today, today, this hour, place your faith in Jesus Christ for the the payment of your sins for your salvation, 
that you might have eternal life and a personal relationship with God today. Right now, I'd like to ask, if you're a believer, if you've already made that, that profession of faith, as they say, if you've already believed in Christ for your salvation, I'd like to ask that you just right now begin to pray. For anyone in this room or anyone who's at home watching this or anyone who might be watching this later tonight or tomorrow or any other time, for them to have that sense of their great, great need for a Savior. And if you're here or at home or watching this and you've never felt like you needed Jesus, I'd like to ask you to reconsider. I'd like to ask you to consider that Jesus died for you and that all you must do is believe in him for the salvation of your sins. There's no secret sauce to this. There's no special mantra to this. You don't have to kneel, cross, stand up, sit down, shout, or anything else. You have to genuinely, in your heart of hearts, just express your great need for a Savior. And if you do that genuinely, He genuinely will meet you there and take your sin away from you, your, your, the penalty of your sin away from you, and adopt you into His family. Do you remember the passage earlier in John where it says, to those He gave the right to become children of God who believed in His name? That's what we're talking about tonight. The opportunity for any man, woman, and child to believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, so that they may be adopted into his family. Right now, I'm going to pray. And if you want to, and, if you, and just give you a moment, if you've never talked to God about this, then do so. And I'm just going to pray for a moment. And then if you've prayed that prayer, if you talked to him, I'd love to know about that. I'd love to have, maybe give you some resources or just help you along your way to give you a next step, all right? So let me pray right now. Father, this afternoon, we come to you knowing that there are many who have never placed their faith in you. And we are coming to you tonight praying that there, if there's a man, woman, or child that is in this room or watching this live stream who's never placed their faith in Christ, that they would do that tonight, right now, in this moment. That they would sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life and they would see the opportunity to trust Christ. And they would take advantage of that. Lord, help them to set aside any obstacle, any reason, anything at all that would keep them from speaking to you genuinely right now about their sin problem. We thank you that you hear the prayers of those who call out to you. And you're eager to hear them. And you do not wait, you do not tarry to answer that prayer. And so right now, Father, I pray that there have been some who have prayed that prayer and found you as their personal Savior. In your name I pray, amen. If you did pray that just now, I'd love to talk to you. And, um, if, and, and if you did pray that right now and you're in this room, then there's, and you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles out there in the foyer on the table as you go out. You can just pick one up and take it with you. They're there for you to take. They're free, no charge, all that kind of stuff. And then let's say that you're here and you're still like going, I'm here because my wife made me come. I'm here because I, I was invited and I didn't know how to say no and get out of this. Then I would encourage you to take one of those Bibles with you as well. And just begin to read. In the book of John, just begin to read. And you will find God to be as faithful as he says he is. And you will not be disappointed because he does not di disappoint.